0: You're listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we look at questions and topics that are related to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in everyday life. Our topic today is critical race theory. So this has become a prevalent cultural topic of late, especially starting in the summer of 2020 with the murders of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, uh, and then into the unrest that followed that and even into the presidential election of 2020, and it's something that's talked about a lot now in Christian circles on the internet, in blogs, in podcasts, Uh, so we felt it was important for us to think about what is critical race theory, first of all, and how should we as Christians think about critical race theory and think about our relationships with people of other color in general. Welcome in to Church Unplugged. Welcome into Church Unplugged. I'm Jimmy Cozy, part of the leadership team here at CCC. I've got with me today Joe Coffey, our lead pastor, Zach Wyrock, and Stacy Donardo, who are other members of our leadership team. Uh, our topic today is critical race theory. So, this is something that has come up. A lot more recently in evangelical circles, uh, it's been something that's been a hot topic of conversation going back into the summer of 2020 when we had the murders of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, the, the protests that followed and all of the unrest that entered into our country. And uh, coming out of that, there have been conversations about something called critical race theory that have even creeped into the church Uh, to the point where it's become somewhat of a boogeyman for Christians. And so uh, what we want to do today is talk about critical race theory, try to define it as best we can, and then talk about how Christians should think about themselves and people of other races and critical race theory as a whole. So that's our starting point, uh, is to try to nail down what is critical race theory? what's What's a definition
1: for it? I feel like normally I start off by saying, Oh, this is a definition, or but I feel like Jimmy, you did a lot of research yeah. <laughs> preceding this podcast. So it's weird to have you intro it and then kick it back to you. But I think yeah. you're probably in a, the best position to give a definition that we can work from. So. Yeah.
0: So I'll, I'll caveat this by saying uh, this is something that's important for this podcast as a whole that uh, this is an extremely nuanced conversation. Yes. Um, there, you know, nobody understands these topics perfectly. And so, Uh, Maybe what we're asking for is your grace as you listen to this that you're not going to post us all over the internet and tear us apart because we're hoping to actually have a legitimately honest conversation about this topic, especially because uh, there are four white people sitting around this table. And so um, the predominant audience of this podcast is white, which is why I think having four white people talk about this is important, but uh, understanding that we're talking about things that affect our black brothers and sisters in Christ, but it's important for us as white people to engage these topics. Uh, I have done some reading. I'm no by no means an expert on this, but I would say if I could give a a, a short and sweet definition of critical, critical race theory, it's a way of thinking in which you look at society uh, in terms of how it is structurally biased against Other races, specifically black people. So uh, the existence of systemic racism and the belief in the existence of systemic racism, uh, it's kind of the belief system that results in uh, seeing society uh, in terms of systemic bias against a particular race in this case. Black people,
2: and it arose from critical theory. Right, that's what I was going to say too. Which uh, is more than just collective race. rather mm-hmm. than individual. Yeah, yeah and it's a, it al- is also based on power. Yeah, yeah. it's a right.
0: subset of yes yeah, of critical theory, which is a series of theories, but essentially which divides society up into uh, groups that have power and groups that don't have power, and, uh, and yeah, the structural maybe and, in the place. and maybe yeah, yeah maybe the but,
1: easiest way to. Uh, that's a good definition. I think maybe the easiest way to grab your hand, put your hands around it if you've never heard of this is it's a way of thinking that sees you not as you, but as representative as a of, of your a larger group. Yeah. So that in this case, we think about critical race theory. If you are a white person listening to this, it would see you as the, a member of the dominant class right. and therefore responsible for the actions of that class, morally culpable for the actions of that class. Or if you're listening, to this as a person of color would see you as an oppressed person, and therefore holding the moral kind of high road in that sense, and and suffering up under the weight, so that you are not necessarily the sum total of your actions. You are best understood as a member of a larger of that larger group. entity. All right,
2: yeah. now and let me just take a step back, you know, because almost immediately some of you are thinking uh, that I know enough about this to say, well, the critical theory is Karl Marx, and that's communism, and and But I want to take a step back just because um, every theory like this is uh, pointing at a problem. Uh, That is a problem. It may not be the right solution to the problem. Karl Marx actually was addressing a problem that he saw. and It was uh, the way sinfulness was playing itself out. Now, I don't think his solution was the right solution, obviously. But uh, so as we look at critical race theory – uh, if you are white, you will tend to think that's not really a problem. Uh, if you are, if you will listen to this with somebody of color, they will say, oh, no, this is addressing a problem. There is a problem here. You're just not seeing that problem. All right. So let's go ahead and get into it.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, as far as one of the things that I wanted to do is try to evaluate critical theory, critical race theory specifically through the lens of Scripture, because I think it's important to Uh, no theory, that's, Zach said this before we started the podcast, but no theory that's made by human beings is
1: going to be perfect.
2: Do we want to start with the positives or the negatives?
1: Yeah, well, let's just start here that it is true, no theory made by man is going to be infallible. Only the scriptures are infallible. And yet it's also likely that no theory, for the most part, this is not hard and fast uh, and true, but... No theory is usually devoid of any Anything, truth. Right. And, I, and I think, again, we we just don't live in a culture that represents nuance very well. Yeah. Or, and that would you, be you common
2: know. grace, right? Yeah, that would, yeah, be, that would right. be the yeah, theological I'm just saying term, that there, right? There's
1: a reason why theories – not all theories. But there's a reason why a lot of theories catch on because they resonate with something that people experience. And so I think then when we examine something, in this case critical race theory, we're not so much saying for or against because – As Christians, we're really only for the scriptures and for the kingdom, right? We We, we have an ideology. We're not looking for one. Instead, we're kind of saying, where does it overlap with the Bible, right? right, And then where is it at odds with the Bible? So what can we affirm and what can we deny? That's a good way of saying it. So maybe we start with what can we
2: affirm? Well, I think one of the things that we can affirm is that... uh, One of the things the Bible teaches is that we are sinners, uh, sinners, when they get together and we form uh, any kind of organization uh, or uh, power structure, uh, then that sin doesn't take a break. <laughs> yeah, like when we when we form uh, an organization or a government or anything, and and the people who who make the rules for that government are sinners, we can expect sin to be in that system. So okay. yeah, it's absolutely right. In every system, family,
1: churches, you know, and, businesses, and one of the things
2: too. I mean that the Bible and the the Bible is very clear on uh, holding us individually responsible for our actions, but also uh, holding us responsible for collective, uh, and that's uh, for our collective kind of. Um, actions and our systems that we put in place. And if you read the Old Testament, that's, that comes out a lot, yes. and it comes out in the New Testament as well. We'll get into that probably. Numerous
1: but. Times. Yeah, and, and I, I think you know a couple of Old Testament examples come to mind. I mean, first of all, you have the prophetic challenges to Israel so that you'll have God basically saying that Israel is uh, playing the harlot in terms of idolatry or that Israel is oppressing the poor or... And of course, he he doesn't mean... Every single single person. person. Yeah, Yeah. and so you might be hearing that and going, hey, wait a minute, but what he's saying is, Oppression of the poor or spiritual idolatry doesn't exist in a vacuum right. some of you are doing it, some of you are seeing it and not saying, saying anything, anything right. some of you you know there there are layers to this, but as a nation, you are guilty of this as a as a people you know I think of another example and that's is,
2: really hard for us as Americans because we're, we're so so individualistic, so individualistic right? yeah. Yeah. yeah and even when i when I read daniel yeah. and daniel is Lamenting and, and confessing and I was going, Daniel's one of the best people it characters in the Bible right. and I was going, I would not have done that if I were Daniel. I would have said, yeah. uh, yeah, these people have done some really right. bad stuff. <laughs> Luckily I'm not one of them. Yeah. Right? But that's yeah. the American in yeah. me. We yeah. are very individualistic instead of collective. Yeah,
1: yeah, you know, but we can tend to be choosy about that yeah, though. We I mean, we, we are individualistic, but it, you know, I've been in church circles before where somebody say, Boy, our country is headed in the wrong direction. And I don't look at them and go, Hey, what are you saying? I I'm yeah, not doing right, anything right. wrong. You know, they they're speaking, they're using collective language. They're saying, by and large, as I look at society, here's right. what I see, and they are Painting us as a group of people, and in the same way, uh, critical theory is saying uh, uh, we do that in governments. But I think you're right, Joe. Sinful people create sinful systems. We can't help it. Not right. not wholly sinful, right. you know. But right. but to, and 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 you know, as challenging as this is to hear, sinful people created this country. And they did so shot through with their own sin, not the least of which was we began the country by saying all men were created equal. Only we didn't mean all men. We didn't mean women. We didn't mean black people. Exactly. We didn't. So So, yeah,
2: we talked about this before we started this podcast. But so like America uh, had a chance to begin a whole new government and decide exactly how we were going to use power. Yeah. And, uh, And we chose to use power a certain way, some of it really good and some of it some of it really bad. Yeah, I
1: know some people listening to this could say, "Well, I don't think you understand agrarian economics, and I don't think you understand." And and no, really, then all we're talking about is what it would have risked st- to start with a blank slate, right? And we weren't willing to risk it. Another way of saying that is we didn't value uh, certain people groups enough to take the chance that uh, treating them as people might, you know, be tough to get through as an economy or or whatever. Yeah, we weren't willing to put enough, you know, sweat equity. Into the idea that everyone was created equal. Yeah. And that isn't to say that the American idea wasn't a great one, right? I mean, it wasn't right. like we're all happy to be Americans, but it's just saying that, you know, all people are sinful. Our founding fathers were as well, just as we are. And
0: we can be happy to be Americans while also acknowledging that sinful Those systems, sinful people exist. create yeah. sinful systems. And so it should stand to reason that. That sin would exist, and part of our role as Christians is to find that and yeah. uh, pursue justice. What, what do
2: you think the um, is the reason for the pushback um, about systemic racism? Let's say I think, um,
0: I mean, in my opinion, it comes back to individuality mm-hmm. uh, because you know, as a and I, I can relate with this as a, a white male to hear you know, you know, there's I've been doing a lot of reading both secular and Christian sources, and, and some of the secular sources especially will say you know, things like, you can't be a white person and not be racist. And that that hits me the wrong way, because I'm like, well, I haven't committed any overt racist acts. I'm thinking of myself individually. I, as an individual, have not done right. that. So how can you say that? And I think that's where the resistance comes from with Christians, because on the other hand, you know, one of the ways that Christianity has morphed into America in America is that it's become this Extremely individualistic thing where to be a Christian is about my own personal piety. You know, if I do my quiet time in the morning, if I pursue holy living, there's no collective element to it. And so, for somebody to say to somebody who believes because of their own spirituality, I am good, I'm moral, I'm upstanding. Right. But what's that, you know, crazy
1: about that is the New Testament is written to collective groups of Christians. Well, yeah. You don't have the letter to Steve. Followed by the letter to Joe, right? Have you names, have but... a letter to the church at <laughs> Corinth, right. letter to the and went, and so when Paul says Corinth, you guys are you guys are arrogant. Right? Yeah. There could be somebody in the audience saying, he that, is I'm not saying arrogant. arrogant. But, but, but what he is saying is you're a church marked by arrogance. And one of the ways he names that is you have a guy sleeping with his father's wife.
2: And nobody's confronting
1: And no one's confronting, confronting it. And he's saying, hey, maybe you're not doing it. You're not committing the sexual sin, but you're but also not addressing by. it. Yeah.
2: Therefore, you
1: are guilty of it, not in the same way. Right. So when he says... Put that guy out of the church. He's saying he's guiltier than you, but you are guilty of it. Yep. And I'm going to treat you collectively with collective guilt. Yeah, all that part to say, I think the individuality
0: is part of it at I least. Know. Why why but, there's so much resistance?
2: Yeah, and part of it helps me um, when I get defensive, is to try to uh, find a way to understand it, like from a from a different country's viewpoint. Let's say let's go to Germany, World War II, Germany. Uh, exterminating Jewish people. I remember watching Band of Brothers in the episode where they discover the the, the camp, right? They go back to the village and they grab all the Germans there and they make them clean it up. And they say to them, you didn't do it, but you knew it. You knew it, right? And and nobody, I mean, there wasn't a defensive bone in my body for that. I was going, absolutely. They are guilty. they're They're not guilty of the same thing, but they're guilty. And then when we look back on Germany, and we look at the church and Christians and stuff. The only Christians that we absolve, that I absolve, are the ones who are actively right, to ready to lay down their from lives. From the very first time. for right. the
1: very first time Hitler gave a, a, a speech. Right. And he said, "The problem with this country is the Jews." And the church didn't say, "Oh no, you're right. not saying that. You right. you can't say that. We're against that." They became complicit, right? Even if they weren't they, putting people onto trains and putting them into right.
2: ovens. And the only people that are absolved are the ones that are that were going. That's not right. That's I right. will not do yeah. that. That's and right. And I will. Risk Which is my why we celebrate Bonhoeffer. Right. right? That's Absolutely. why we.
1: Right. But so part of believing that sinful people create sinful systems. Is is the second thing that I think we can affirm, which is that sinful systems affect different people different ways. Right. Right? That is just inevitably true. If you're a Jew in the 1920s in Germany, it is different to be a German than it is if you are not Jewish, right? In the same way, if you are not in the ruling group of people, be it whoever, right. be it men, be it women, be it people of this ethnicity, that ethnicity, it doesn't matter. If you're not in the ruling group of people, then the, that sinful system will affect you differently right. than it would affect.
2: And the way you'd find out in Germany, if you were a, a German who is not a Jew, and you'd say, wait, no, the, there are no laws in the 1920s, no laws that were that differentiated with Jews, yeah. right? And you could say, no, no, it's all fair. Yeah. What you needed to do was talk to a Jew. That's right. right. And the Jew would say, oh, no. Yeah. You don't have no idea, which is exactly well, let me it what you don't mo- do. let me shrink
1: right. it down even more. Some of you have stories that are marked with pain because you are not the favorite child of your mom or your dad, right? And your mom and, or your dad decided for whatever reason to love your brother, your sister more than you. You knew it. Everybody knew it, Right. That sin created a sinful system, a way of dealing with you and a way of dealing with your sibling that was unfair, right? That is a sinner, mom or dad, having a sinful system of favoritism towards your sibling. But when your sibling saw it and did not say anything, when they didn't say, hey, mom, actually, you're letting me take the car out tonight, even though it's a school night tomorrow. Last week, you told them they couldn't take the car out because it was a. When they they just became a participant. The favoritism. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy or it, just, right. yeah, yeah, just never thought critically about. about it or, never, yeah. Later on as an adult, you go, well, you know, mom loved you more. And they go, really? Really? And you think, how could you have been so blind? You, you wouldn't say. That that sibling is the same level of guilty as mom or dad. Of course not. That right. would be absurd. Right. And we'll get to that when we talk about what we have to deny. Right, right. But to say they're not in any way complicit, of, of, of course they are, right? Sinful people create sinful systems that treat people unfairly. And oftentimes, those who are not treated unfairly enjoy the privilege of the life that's afforded
0: them. I, I think that gets to one of the other points of agreement that I find with with this theory as a whole, with critical race theory, and that is uh, that the example of Jesus is to lay down power mm. for the benefit yeah. of others. And critical race theory will divide society up in terms of who's powerful and who's not. And so I think part of us, our role as Christians is to recognize where we do have power and we do have privilege right. and, and to be willing he to he not lay only that down. lays
2: down power. He you use your power to protect. Yes, yes, yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. Right. yes. Not only lays down his power, but he condescends – to come to us and then uses his power for, for us. us because i think there's a sense in the in any organization or system or government or society where the powerful people say well okay well you know just prove you belong pull yourself up by your bootstraps make something of yourself and you can have a seat at the table but jesus actually does Love the opposite the of table. that right. right he he leaves the seat at the table to come be thrown under the table in order that we might then be seated at the table and and I, I think that's something that critical race theory gets right, even though in a minute we'll say it gets many things wrong. Yeah. Something it gets right is to say that unless those in power, whether they knew they were in power or not, whether they took power or just were born into it, unless they begin to listen to those who are not in power and and to and to take action on what they're hearing, there there won't be a rectifying of the situation. Yeah,
3: that and that means them Working to change policies, working to change laws that will make things different than how they currently exist. I think that's something that even us, that you know, myself, that's very comfortable in where I live yeah. and what I think. You know, um,
2: Here's
3: it, one it just thing changes. I would say is if,
0: if you're somebody who's listening to this and you hear the words systemic racism or structural racism that triggers you to become defensive. Uh, another way that I've heard to think about that is just to think about it as. Uh, laws that disproportionately negatively affect people of other races. Yeah, like
1: in the 1990s when we had mandatory drug minimums and you got two years if you got stopped with cocaine and you got 10 years if you got stopped with crack, even though they're the same drug, same exact drug in different forms. But the difference was crack was being smoked in the black community and cocaine was being snorted in white communities. It's like just examples like that. And And the thing is, isn't to say, well, I didn't create those laws. I didn't – you're right. You're right. You're not as guilty right. as those who did, just as your sibling is not as guilty as mom or dad. But, but even just to say, I was blind to that, I didn't know that. I was unaware of that, and I hate that I was, right. is a good posture to start with.
2: Yeah, and one of the things that's happened, uh, I think, for me in the last probably five years, I've read more, uh, I have been forced to read more about our history and to find out things I did not know. Mm. Uh, about uh, what it means to be a person of color in our country. And I, I would just encourage people to do that. You ought to, I mean, you should read. It's hard to read some of the stuff. Well, one of the things, too, I want to bring up that in the New Testament, Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan, which is a really interesting story when we're talking about this kind of thing because uh, the Good Samaritan starts with a man being beat up Um the, the question, actually, that Jesus is asked is, uh, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, what does the law say? And, the, and uh, the lawyer says, well, it says to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, yeah, do that. And then the man says, who is my neighbor? Wishing to justify himself, he says, who's my neighbor? Then Jesus tells the Good Samaritan story. So this guy's mugged, and uh, Jesus doesn't talk about whoever mugged them. Whoever mugged them was a great sinner who beat this guy up, left him half dead on the side of the road. But Jesus then says the guy who stopped and helped him was the one who was loving his neighbor, who was doing what God wanted him to do. So for us as Christians, uh, and and the people who walked around the, the, the man who had been mugged, uh, what, they were roundly condemned by Jesus just by by virtue of the story, uh, what Jesus was saying is if you're going to obey God, if you're really going to love your neighbor, uh, it's not enough just to say, well, I'm not I'm not doing anything. Uh, I'm not a racist. I haven't done anything to hurt a person of color. That if you're really going to love them, you have to try to find where they are suffering, and care for them then.
1: Yeah, and I just want to say something that's so good, and I just want to add to that, because I think the tendency would be to go, well, Joe, if I were walking down the road and I saw someone who had been mugged, I would stop and help them. And I think we need to reckon with what we have done in this country is uh, we have created isolated communities and then built bypasses around the cities where a lot of these things are happening right. so that we never have to drive through them. So that then we absolve ourselves of any moral responsibility because even though we know of communities that are being just torn apart by by all kinds of things, because we never have to drive through them, we don't feel morally responsible, but we know it's happening. And I'll tell you when this clicked for me is I heard Tim Keller talk about the Good Samaritan once and he said... He said, look, the good Samaritan stopping to help the guy, we all get that. He said, but what happens if the next day, the guy's walking down the same road, there's another guy's mugged? okay, he helps that guy. Next day, another guy is mugged. Like at a certain point to be a really good Samaritan would mean, hey, maybe we need to put some street lamps up on this road. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe I need to call my city councilman and ask, how come the police are not going up and down this road because there's a crime problem here? Because I'm not just thinking of the guy on the side of the road, but I'm thinking of the people he represents who have to go down this road and are at risk. And And this is the last thing I think that critical race theory gets right. And then we need to before we lose everybody, make a beeline to <laughs> it. <gets laughs> wrong, yeah. but but the last thing that gets right is close that, your email browser. Yeah, it's not it, time yet. Is that system systemic sin requires systemic answers? Absolutely, and right. that's the thing that you can't just reduce it down to whoever you pass on the side of the road helping individuals. Even though we have a church full of generous people who are helping individuals all the time, Absolutely. and I'm yeah. proud to be part of that community. But it's not just that; it's zooming out and saying, "If sinful sinful people create sinful systems, then redeemed people must, must redeem, redeem systems. Otherwise, we 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 will never have answers to that. And so, just part of it is saying that if we have systemic racism, uh, and and again, I I I personally I feel like that that is unavoidably true. Mm-hmm. Then we have to have a systemic. Answer to that. that. It can't just be, it would be like one of my kids always beating on one of my other kids and me just saying, Well, when I see it, I'll say something. No, at some point, I'm going to have to come up with a comprehensive solution for why my kid is doing that and how I can make sure they don't do it anymore. After a while, the kid who's getting beat on is going to say, Daddy, if you really love me, you wouldn't wait for them to hit me to get involved. Right. And I think that's where critical race theory is right.
2: And I think, uh, let's, we'll, we'll, Pivot here, And one of the ways that uh, – I mean I agree with Zach. I think systemic racism is unavoidable. And that's one of my criticisms of critical race theory is that uh, – critical theory uh, divides the world into – by power into the oppressors and the oppressed. And uh, the whole world works on power. And the plan – and you can see it in communism with Karl Marx is that when you take people who are powerless and you give them power – they do the exact yeah. same thing because systemic, yeah. systemic injustice happens it, with sinners. it comes from the heart, right? right? right so right. I
1: think that George Orwell's Animal Farm is a great example of this. If you've read the book, it starts with the pig saying, we need to overthrow the farmer, right? The farmer, he oppresses us he, until eventually the pigs are in control and they become the oppressors, right? And that was Orwell's point is that oppression comes from the heart. So anyone – you give an, anyone enough power, you give them an army, you give them – they're going to oppress. And what critical race theory seems to be saying is if we just could level the playing field or even sometimes invert, right, right. take take the oppressed and make them the powerful class that these things would go away, and the answer is they, they wouldn't. wouldn't. And, and the way you know that is history tells us right. that, right? History tells us that power structures change. Oppression well, is the one constant. think
0: about – I mean, maybe I'm going to – get my history wrong here, but think about even how the United States of America was formed. A group of people who, in a sense, felt oppressed right. left a place right. where they're being oppressed to start something new, and now, hundreds of years later, have created systems that Oppress. result in oppression. Yeah. And
2: right.
0: it, the cycle just repeats itself. I think uh, the, the other dynamic that's interesting to explore in terms of what we would deny is uh, the sort of leveling of guilt across groups of that's people. Right. Uh, holding, you know, individuals equally responsible for acts that they were uh, not
1: involved in, and this is where nuance is just it's right. complicated, right? Because I think the temptation is to say, "Well, what level guilt does everyone have?" And instead of wading into the nuance of that, it's tempting to either go, "None," you have right. none, or to go, "You have all of it," right? And right. and either one of those are just so simple that they can't be true. Right. So so yeah, I think the painting of a broad brush, so that, you know, you take take a guy like me who who has definitely benefited from systems that are tilted towards me. And then you say I am equivalent to someone in the Ku Klux Klan. And I say, boy, how can that be true? Right? That that, that doesn't feel true. It's not true. And and I think that's where the Bible would say not everybody is the same. You know a great example of this is in the book of Joshua. When they go to Jericho, right, and God tells them, Don't take any of the don't don't take any of the stuff, the plunder. And then they after Jericho, they're gonna go fight AI and it's a little rinky dink town and they get their butts kicked and they come back and Joshua gets on his face before God. Now this is Joshua, right? His name means salvation. He is the heir apparent to Moses. And God tells him, Get up, stop praying. You have sin in your camp. Yeah. Right. Now it turns out that a guy named Achan had taken some stuff he shouldn't have taken, but God was holding All of Israel responsible for that, right? right. And part of that's because no one saw Achan take it. Or how vigilant were, were the Israelite leaders to say, hey, no plunder. Remember what God said, don't take any plunder, right? Now, Achan and his family end up being killed for that. But all of Israel suffered defeat. So all of them were guilty, but God did not see them equally. He did not punish them equally. Achan's family gets killed the rest of Israel then goes up and, and wins the battle at Ai so that God – if you think about it, if you're an Israelite soldier who didn't take any plunder and you die in the battle of Ai, right? Yeah. You, were. you are under the judgment of your people, even though it was Achan who took the plunder and not you, right? Well, well that is collective guilt, but not in any way equal guilt. That That is – Uh, an absurd concept. When I talk
3: to people often that, again, this is just such a hang-up point, is recognizing the level of responsibility in that. Because I talk to people often, and they'll immediately jump to going, well,
2: I've always been really nice to black
3: people. And they'll just start down that path. I'm like, no, this isn't about you personally. So it it is something just to wrestle through and to understand, and those are just great points to land on in that. But
1: Yeah, yeah. just real quick to say to that, though, that – you know, the only way to know if you really have been really kind and welcoming to any people group is to ask them.
3: Yes. Not to self-justify,
1: <laughs> yes. right? Right. So, you know, I would say I'm a wonderful father, <laughs> and my kids would say some <laughs> days, right? Uh, I don't get to decide that; they get to decide that, yeah. right? But here's what I also say: critical race theory gets wrong, and that is the complete innocence of the oppressed people group. And in, in just saying that what critical race theory does is say oppressor's bad, oppressed good.
2: Yeah, and and just by being oppressed, you get the moral high ground. that you have the moral, moral, authority. Yeah, that, have mm-hmm. the moral right.
1: authority, which I, in, in what I would say to that is, no, we're all sinners, right? We're all made in the image of God. We all have inherent value, and we all participate in the brokenness of the world. The world is breaking us, yeah. and we are breaking it. Not in the same way, not not always to the same degree, but we are, and so we can't absolve Anyone And then I think here's the biggest way critical race theory is wrong. It, it it has a solution that's not a savior. Right. Right? Yeah. Its solution is a turning over of power, and, and the biblical solution is the turning over of your heart from hard-heartedness to being made new. And in that way, it is fundamentally anti-gospel because it says to people, our hope is that the oppressed would gain power or even equal power. Whereas the, the Bible says, actually, your your hope is that the oppressor and the oppressed will be made new in Christ and reconciled as brothers or sisters uh, in Christ. And that's a big difference.
0: Uh, just to finish here, uh, one of the questions I wanted to ask was, what advice would, would we give to Christians, and maybe even especially white Christians, but all Christians who are wrestling with these issues and trying to figure out how to think about them?
1: I mean, w- one is, I, I think... <sighs> you know i would say personally be careful about labeling people it, it, you know i i think it's funny as a pastor you know we preach and teach on a lot of topics and if you come to one talk that's on a particular topic, you're you're going to gain one impression of a pastor. If you come to another one, you're going to gain another one. No one here at this table has studied critical race theory, is a proponent of critical race theory, yeah. has a copy of <laughs> Communist Manifesto in their office. <laughs>
2: uh, what Zach's trying to start out with is if you're listening to this, do not, uh, when you turn this off, say that... Uh, we are for critical race theory or completely yeah. against right. critical yeah. race theory. What we've tried to do is to say, let's look at it for its merits. We are and for, for yeah. a right. biblical ideology. Right.
1: Yeah, first right. of all, we're not political philosophers, no. right? right. We, you know, we, we work in uh, the arena of theology. So so what we're doing is trying to be faithful to the scriptures. And I think that's a starting point is, you know, I think you, you don't, I wouldn't, as, as a pastor at Christ's Chapel, I wouldn't want you to hear me agree with you and say, oh, he's in my tribe. Right. Or hear me disagree with you and say, oh, he's in their tribe. I am trying very hard to be in the tribe of Jesus, right. and that's it. That well, will I'd... make strange bedfellows sometimes in various ways. Well,
3: uh-huh. and that's, I think, a challenge to us as Christians is that we aren't in one tribe or another and that we are all looking at critical race theory and other things to be like looking at them as the Bible would look at them and as Jesus would look at them. But there's... um yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think when you, one thing I think is even as we've mentioned that some of these words like systemic racism or whatever just become triggers for white Christians. So, even just kind of pushing back against that and saying, okay, wait a minute, when I feel myself bristle, when I, all of a sudden, what's going on inside of me that maybe isn't good or that I am trying to self-justify that really is not in the way of Christ—
1: yeah, one of the things I love about the gospel is it tells me that the ugliest parts of me have already been paid for by Jesus, which means I just think when, when Christians are thinking rightly, we should never be defensive, right? Right? Because worst case scenario, worst case scenario, someone proves to you that you're a racist, okay? Worst case. And that's not true of everyone listening to this or most people. I'm just saying, let, worst case, Jesus died for that, Yep, and the Holy Spirit can make that new, Right, So we don't have to be so quick to respond by going, you know, I'm not this and I'm not that. The other thing I'd say is ask questions. So when someone says they believe in systemic racism, say, so are you saying that I am a racist? Are you – ask questions. Let them go, oh, no, I'm not saying yeah. that. I'm saying this. Or, you know, have we lost the ability to have conversations <laughs> just I know. To, yeah. to, to ask for clarity, to say, hey, I don't want to assume I, I know what you're thinking. What are you thinking? Uh, I think that's important.
3: And relationships important. So I think as Christians that we are always seeking and pursuing and being intentional about building relationships with people of other colors than we are. So that, I mean, that just is a big part of helping us wrestle through this. We'll be talking to and understanding people that look different than we do. I would also
0: say, you know, if you are ascribing to any ideology— if you are unable to articulate how that ideology is in conflict with Scripture... In any then, way. Then you... Yeah, you may have a problem. Yeah, and
1: avoid... And I think I would say uh, avoid resources that fail to point that out. So when yeah. you click on the podcast or the blog post about critical race theory in the gospel, if they affirm nothing, I would run from that. If they deny everything, I would run from that, right? I would look for someone just in general, who's wrestling, right? right? not not someone who's running to their talking points. And here's the la- last thing. And Joe, you said this so well recently in something you had written that I read, yeah. which is, can we not disagree with each other and, and still love each other? I mean, have we lost that ability as a church to say, hey, maybe you're listening to this and you think some of the, some of the things that we've said are wrong. Ah, you might be right, right? But A, let's get coffee and talk about it. And B, that doesn't mean anything about can we be in relationship? Can we participate in church together? Can we seek to you know to hold out the gospel to ourselves and to others as well? We have got to uh, completely disregard this cultural idea that that if unless you exist in the echo chamber I live in, we cannot be friends. That, I can't think of anything more counter to the gospel.